Radio Tiny House is on the air. Good morning and welcome to Radio Tiny House. I am Barry Smith. Here I am, Beth Smith today. Here she is. She's, Here I am. She's always right there. She's <laughs> my right-hand person, that's for sure. I don't know what I'd do without her. Anyway, welcome to Radio Tiny House. This is episode eight. Uh, today is uh, Tuesday, November 10th, um, 2020. The year's almost over. Yeah. So we had some exciting news this morning. We are Radio Tiny House podcast is uh, ranked as number four in the list of top five tiny house podcasts to follow in 2020. That's I, really cool. I think that's really cool. That's uh, we've been doing this for what? Well, we're on episode two, eight. We're on episode eight. Yeah. So we're eight trying. Weeks? We're trying to do one of these. Probably ten weeks. We're, we're trying to do one of these oh, a yeah, week, we but we've week we skipped a week or two uh, for various reasons. One of which was vacation. Um, we could have done one. We took all of our equipment to do one uh, from our little Airbnb uh, beach tiny house. And then we said, forget it. And we just said, no, nah, we're not going <laughs> to do We're taking this. a vacation. <laughs> it's too important to get away. And yeah, if, if you have to. the opportunity to get away, then get away. We had to. Um, you need to go to Tybee. Um, if you're on the East Coast and you want to go to a fun, relaxing beach, Tybee is the place to go. I it's just tell you. outside of Savannah. It is. Great place. But again, we're not sponsored by Tybee Island or the Visitors Bureau or the state of Georgia or anything. But I'll, like I'll write him a letter. Today. Yeah, we'll write him a letter. That's right. So anyway, welcome. Got a busy day today. Some uh, really interesting topics, I think, that we're going to be looking at. Uh, number one, we're going to talk about Beth's adventure that she just had with our daughter. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, why go tiny. We're going to be looking at some tiny home news, some stuff that's happening. And then Beth has a rather exciting announcement that we'll make in a little while. Okay. So tell us about your adventure. You went to? Well, let's just say Quantico. That's the <laughs> easiest way to put it. I actually was able to stay on the military base. And Barry, who loves all things like that, was kind of jealous. But um, I, uh, it was just that we were just so busy. We drove up my, our daughter that does not live on our property right. with us. She's daughter one and does not live in tiny house one. Oh, no. She lives in the city. She's a well-known florist in the Atlanta area. But occasionally she does destination weddings. And I help her when I can. And usually I help her when she does destination weddings because it's easier to travel with mom, particularly during COVID stuff, right. than it is to travel with other people. So we had a small wedding to do, and it was just south of D.C., um, in, I can't tell you what town it was. I'm sorry, but it was right on the Potomac river. It was beautiful. Um, and she always does an amazing job. So, but I'm her mother. I'm really proud, but she does. I mean, she has a great Instagram. I should put that. I should tell people what that is. You should tell them it's what it is. Rhapsody in blooms. That's plural blooms on, on Instagram. And she has to do a Facebook too, but she has, does beautiful work, and I um, people I post from time to time, and people say, "Oh, Beth, that's beautiful." And I'm like, "Well, I just follow directions and really she, well." She works all over the place. I mean, she she's done weddings in uh, L.A. Of course, she lived in L.A. for a number of years and New York, ten years in New York, and up in the Hamptons, and of course here in Atlanta. Right, that's but where she so settled. You said something that I thought was funny. Most people don't do a destination wedding to, to a marine base. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So we were actually on the Potomac somewhere south of D.C., about 45 miles south of D.C., but Quantico came up as an Airbnb. And of course, as we mentioned the last time, we're only if we travel, we're only traveling in Airbnbs because they have listed their new cleaning policies on their schedule. And excuse me, we're trying to be covid careful, I call it. So we interact as little as possible. We stay in Airbnbs. We I do the whole nose rinse, Listerine rinse um, to try to make sure those germs aren't growing in my nose and in my throat. Um, but so, but you know, now just to be clear, you're not rinsing your nose with Listerine. Oh, not yet. <laughs> that would be tr- tricky. That would be painful. Yeah. No, I use the, like the salt nasal runs. But anyway, so we did all that and tried to get, travel carefully. We ate outside mostly and, you know, ran into the bathroom for five seconds to go to the bathroom. And, but anyway, so we stayed in an Airbnb and it happened to be on Quantico, the Quantico military base. And I was going to do... My group, every Sunday night, I go uh, live on Facebook. And I was going to do my Facebook live, but <laughs> we tried to go back to the Airbnb for me to be able to do it. And the Marines wouldn't let us on the base. <laughs> so there was a little snafu about getting back on. So we had to go somewhere else. And I didn't really have the opportunity to go live. So that was exciting. So then I had to change that. to, to I'm actually doing my Facebook live tonight. But um, it yeah, because yeah, I think their threat level is raised, so they're yeah. not like letting people onto the base unless you have armed guards and things like that. It was really kind of exciting. Well, or unless you have a trusted traveler, a trusted pass. traveler. But we didn't have one. It was all very complicated. So while the Airbnb was lovely, if you want to get off and on and uh, the base and be at that Airbnb, that's not the place for you to no, stay. No. <laughs> Uh, if you want to visit somebody on the base, that is the place to stay, but not to, to go off and on because you never know if you're going to get let back on or not because they're kind of inconsistent about their rules. I probably shouldn't say that because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. <coughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so I stayed at Quantico there and Barry is very jealous. 30 Marines who were on duty that <laughs> night who are going to be uh, on doing KP duty for the next several right. weeks. Uh, we did all the forms and filled everything out. <laughs> We tried. <laughs> anyway, we did finally make it back to our Airbnb late. And um, so it's uh, from Atlanta or our area. It's about nine hours up. So we did that on Saturday, worked all day Sunday, mm-hmm. drove home all day Monday. And so, yeah, it was an exciting adventure. And the bride and groom got married. They did. And it was lovely. You could say that it went off without a hitch, but that's not <laughs> that's true not because true. they were hitched. That's right. Um, yeah, it was lovely. It was an outdoor wedding and the weather was amazing. And the leaves along the Potomac are all changing colors. And, you know, there were even boats going up and down, but it just added to the ambiance. It was lovely. So I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad to be home. <laughs> Well, I mean, that sounds actually like a fun trip. I, I've been to Quantico before and I've been. Um, I mean, they have a golf course on Quantico. A place. I had no idea. I'm yep. like, is this on the Marine Base? That was pretty cool. It's a it's a it's a, a, a cool place. It is. Um, but I never really thought of it might having an Airbnb. I, neither there. did I. Of course, it is kind of weird because Quantico, this, the town is right in the middle of the of the base right. so. we did a little bit more investigation and then we we're going way in a rabbit hole here but it's the only military base that has a town in the u.s that has a town in it in the middle of it yeah all right so yeah that's why some of the rules are a little tricky <laughs> to get off and on but anyway yeah it sounds a little like uh eureka 
<laughs> the oh, TV show. Yeah. It is a little bit, I assume, like that. Although I don't think there's any weird science experiments going on, but who knows? You never know. You never know. We never know what's going on. We don't. So anyway, that was uh, her big adventure for this week. We had an adventure last week, and she's had one this week. What's going to happen next week, I wonder? I don't know. Who knows? It may snow. Maybe it'll be goat palooza, because we are having goat palooza on our house goat palooza. We have... We have our daughter collects dogs that aren't hers. Yeah. And so we, we jokingly call those dogs not my dog. Hashtag, hashtag not, not my, my dog. dog. And now we have um, hashtag not, not my, my goats, goats uh, that kind of wander on our property. And when they eat the grass, it's okay. But when they eat the bushes and things like that, that's uh, it's just not appropriate. So but my, you can't tell a goat that. My blueberry bushes, I think, are toast. My fig tree is gone. My butterfly book. Bush will no longer host butterflies. butterflies. <laughs> Our roses are now, um, they have like three blooms left on them, but we're getting there. Um, we're trying to get our neighbor to corral the suckers. Well, they're escape artists, and, and, and unless you do build Fort Knox, uh, goats will find a way out, just like rabbits do. Rabbits are, man, they're, they're they are we've diggers. got rabbits, and they are diggers. So, uh, anyway... That's a little off topic of tiny house living, but not really because, I mean, you know, a lot of people want to move to a rural area, live in a tiny house and have animals. So Uh, we got them. (laughs) Just go into it knowing that goats are a blast. I got to tell you, I love the goats. Um, They all have their own personality. They can be jerks. Uh, One in particular can be a jerk, but the other two are just really, really sweet. They're like Um, dogs with horns. Yeah, exactly. And they will follow you around. Or try to get in the house. So it's uh, they're fun. The rabbits are um, just wiggle their noses, wiggle their noses, and, and they're reproduce. they're soft, and they make yes more rabbits, more bunnies, and they dig everywhere, <laughs> and they escape, and we think the dogs are going to eat them, so and all that stuff. It, you you couldn't have horses and rabbits on the same property because your ra- your horses would be falling into rabbit holes all that's the time. True. That's so true. that's. Um, that's sad. That is sad. So anyway, so the other thing, one of the other topics we wanted to look at today was um, kind of a, a brief history, because I find this interesting. So Barry's of, a history freak. So the history part I, is exciting to him. Buff. Not, I, not I would freak. say I would say freak. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I'm a history freak. I, yeah. I, there are several things that I. I'm a tech nerd. I'm a history freak. And, I'm a tiny house nerd. And I'm a weather nerd. Yeah. Or a weather that. geek. I don't all know. Um, nerd uh, is the where, cool term, I think, now. Nerd is the cool term, yes. Yeah, so, so we, of course, we want to be cool. So, so I have a, uh, let's use the right Beth's term. dad was a meteorologist. Yes. And so I learned a little bit of that from him. And then I have a good friend that's the chief meteorologist at Channel 2 in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Rob Fowler. If anybody uh, watches Rob, give him a shout out. Um but um, I love the weather. It's just kind of cool to, I mean, we we all have weather. So. <laughs> that, it, that was profound. That was profound. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I, I've only had one cup of coffee today. So my profundity is um, on the lower level today. Profundity? Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> so brief history, tiny houses. Uh, you know, when we started looking at tiny houses, uh, you, we've talked about our history with tiny houses. I, I never really associated tiny houses with historical people like um, Native Americans lived in tiny houses. 
Right. Um, Vikings lived in tiny houses and then had a community longhouse, which is right. kind of cool. Right. Um, love to have a longhouse here where we could have family and friends gather and sure, let's build sing, that. Sing songs to you know Viking gods or whatever. Um, sing the the theme song to Thor, the god of thunder. Um, but it's um, there's a long history of tiny houses. As a matter of fact, until about the maybe late middle to late 1800s, uh, most people didn't live in large houses. Everybody lived in in what we would consider to be a tiny house. If you look at prairie homes, they were all tiny houses. They were made out of whatever they could find to uh, to do. We visited a couple of, of sod houses uh, a couple of years ago out west, and it's amazing that they're still standing. Um, and it's fascinating how they how they built these uh, buildings just basically to survive on the prairie and then wound up, you know, farming that land and or trying to farm it, uh, having families there and everybody living in uh, one, uh, one 10 room by 15 building. building. Yeah. Or something. Um, but it goes way far back. It goes several thousand years back. Probably the first houses ever built by man were small tiny shelters that right. their whole family could get into or possibly even you know many members in their community so tiny homes are are kind of old but it's only recently that they've gotten kind of cool so um anyway that's my little history thing on on tiny houses tough sheds are, are rather rather we're not sponsored by tough shed shed houses are a relatively, relatively new thing, new. Um, but tiny houses are not. Well, and you know, the movement in the United States started about 20 years ago. Maybe that's too far, but Jay Schaefer is the one who kind of started the tiny house movement that people started that started catching on. And he was, he started living in a, a, a the, I mean, it's like the tiniest of tiny houses. It was about 100 square feet. Now, I'm a little claustrophobic and there is no way I could do that. Um, but, and our house isn't technically a tiny house. We've talked about that. I call it that anything now. And in fact, I have a better homes and gardens, um, magazine that was ridiculously expensive, but for a magazine, <laughs> but, um, it says tiny house. And then it says any, something under a thousand square feet. Right. So that tiny house, uh, name nomenclature is moving up to like a thousand square feet when you know that houses are 2,500 square feet. The average house is 2,500 square feet. And a lot of people have even bigger than that. Then um, you don't, uh, you know, anything under a thousand seems small. That's right. how we reference it right. anyway. But so, it is easier, by the way, to build something a little bigger than super tiny because of zoning and permitting. Right. Um, anything under 400 square feet or 350, somewhere around that range, you're having to use extra building codes that have been added to the um, uh, International Building Code. Right. And not all states have adopted those. So if you can go 400 or 500 square feet or bigger and still stay small, I mean, there's nobody that's going to give you a medal or a ribbon for living in a size, certain size house. Right. Right. Um, and I discourage people from living in tiny houses on wheels for a whole cadre of things. Things I think they're challenging. And we'll talk about that more. My um, I know that's not the cachet right now because people are living in them. But I think there's some real challenges with that. So we opted for a shed, a tiny house shed, because that gave us two things. It gave us a small living footprint and it gave us affordability and it gave us um, quick, it took, you know, it right. took six days to build the thing. Right. 
So that was a quick hit that we wanted to do to move our building process along. So that's why we decided to go shed. There are a lot of people that are using what we are used for our podcast studio. We've talked about it before a little bit, but a drag and drop shed, right? right. Where somebody just brings something and puts it on your property. I think there are some challenges with that. I don't think it's the worst thing you can do, but I think there you have to be aware of some challenges around that. But um, it well, and, is- and, and whatever codes, you know, you have well, to be aware that are different. Well, that's the first thing. For- yeah, because, yeah. you know, people that are in your county probably don't want you living in a house without a foundation. Right. And um, and houses don't last very long without foundation. So there are real some some real challenges with that. But if you think of it as a disposable house, you know, like, hey, it cost me thirty thousand dollars to live in this. And otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do it. Then it's a place to start. Right. Yep. So um, anyway, I kind of got off on tangent. Why go tiny or shed? We have on the list, and I got off a little bit. It is more affordable. Well, we're we're more free form. I just put you know. I know he those tries to to, to, to rein me in. Um, <laughs> that, honey, I gave that up a long yeah, time exactly, ago. Exactly as you should. Um, it why go tiny? Uh, it is potentially more affordable, but what you have to know is that it can be more expensive per square foot. Because right. you still have to have infrastructure. You still have to have a bathroom and sewer and water and power. And floors. And floors and a roof. And heat. Right. And so the uh, bedrooms are cheap square footage. Right. right. The expensive square footage is the infrastructure. Right. Right. So it might be higher per square foot. Now, I've seen tiny homes on wheels for $335 a square foot. And that's kind of insane. Yes. Um, and then you don't have a place to put it. And so that's one of my... Again, I don't want to get in that rabbit hole today, but that's one of my things. It's like, wow, you're spending all this money for this tiny home. Let's call it $150,000 for a tiny home. And then you have no place to put it. So you have to rent your land. Right. That's, to me, not a very practical way to go about it. And if anything, I'm like mispractical. <laughs> um, at lower energy usage and costs, we right. should talk about what Big our time. power bill is. Uh, our power bill. Uh, now, we live in the south, so we have to right. have air conditioning and heat right. all the time. And, and either one of them and is humidity. usually running all, all the, the time. time. Uh, we do have all LED uh, lights in our um, in our house. We have a, a, an electric hot water heater, uh, but we do have a gas uh, stove and oven, so we don't have to worry about the um, power for that. And we do have a backup vent-free gas fireplace right. that we use a rare, very rarely. So our electrical bill um, every month is... Uh, and we're in 768 square feet. Right. Ranges from uh, the lowest is uh, 65 bucks. Uh, the highest it's ever been has been 120 bucks when it was like a, 100 degrees outside. And the air condition, everything was just running constantly. So it, it averages um, to be bucks, about maybe? 70, 75 bucks a month, yeah. which is awesome. Um when you're, um, oh, we do you use know, mini cutting. splits. Yes, we do use mini splits. So usually, oh, and we're super insulated. Yes. So talk about that for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, so we decide. Well, our code because we're in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, our county has upped the code for insulation, and our house is built to code. So our roof is R thirty eight. We upgraded our walls to two by six uh, studs. Right. That's R nineteen. And then I actually made a mistake and put higher insulation on the underneath than I was supposed to. But we also put R38 under the floor. I think it was like supposed to be R30 or something, but oh well. So we have extra insulation under under the floor. Um, so our house stays pretty toasty and right. it doesn't change temperature. It doesn't fluctuate. Our 
our heating envelope doesn't fluctuate that much. Right. Yes. It's uh, it's usually pretty steady, even when it's really, really cold outside or really hot. It tends to stay, you know, in, in, a, in a relatively comfortable range. We do have uh, some solar gain coming in from the front windows. So if the doors open, if the windows open, all that it kind of stuff, you get, it can get hot. But we did that on purpose so we could warm it in the winter with the, with the sunlight now. Are, we have a, both. We have a built on site shed and we have a drag and drop shed that is this building. And this building does not have any of that. No. It has R13 in the walls. Um, and it has right now we just have um, Astrofoil up on the ceiling. Yeah, but it's also called Reflectic or something yeah. like that. We have that on the ceiling. Well, that's in R, the, that's an R11 value. Yeah, it's, it's about an R11. Um, up in the ceiling, and that we have a metal roof, so we that that's pretty comfortable in the summertime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, winter not so much, but the floor is not insulated nope. because it's just sheer, surely was made as a storage work office type shed. Someday we may get that taken care of. Um, so, but this this is way less stable temperature wise. It swings, but we don't right. use it. We use it a few hours a day, right? Or if it's too cold, we don't come up here. So we're not really worried about that. Although we're converting it into doing some more video and stuff like that. So we might have to change what we're doing. We did just add fiberglass insulation on the walls. Right. And but we can and add we've got it. a carpet in the uh, the main part. Um, um, and but, we're, I'm getting one of those rug buddy uh, floor warmers. And so I can't wait. I'm going to do an unboxing video <laughs> because, I mean, come on, that would make all of us excited to have um, uh, unboxing of a thing. And don't worry about it. My phone is trying to go off. I'm sorry, folks. Hang on. Why is somebody in New Jersey? Oh, well, it stopped my video. Yes, it did. Why? Why didn't you put it on airplane mode? I so because we're still, I was we're still on here though. So we're still on here. On well, the that's podcast, fine. we're still recording. So yeah. So that was Beth. Well, this uh, is this is live uh, stuff. You this, know, this, if your this, phone rings and you're making noises, you have to turn it off. This is live stuff, and that's uh, that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure we did with the podcast was. Yeah, I, we don't edit this. No. It is. If you sneeze, you sneeze. If you cough, you cough. And I you... was having a sneezing event this oh morning. Oh, my gosh. She sneezed about 20 sneezing. times in a row. So I'm, I'm not like, sure what that mm, was about. Got to get that out of my system. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my phone rang. Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, so we are. So the nice thing about that uh, dis distance between the two, like we have one that's built to code, super insulated. It stays very stable. We have another one that is not. And I think people that didn't that do it this way would feel you talking about the sh the, the shed, shed is not as insulated right. and it's not as stable. And if you were trying to live in one of these sheds without the insulation in the floor and the way we've insulated the ceiling, you would have a lot more energy costs, right? And you would have a lot more temperature swings. Right. Luckily, we don't have to do that. No, we don't. And we cool when we need to cool down the uh, the shed. Um, or heat it up. We just uh, turn on a, a. We have a little fireplace space heater, right? And we have a window air conditioner for when it's hot. And honestly, I mean, I've spent a lot of time up here this summer doing recording and doing some schoolwork and things like that and writing. Um, I, I, I turn it on, and in fifteen minutes, uh, it's not hot and muggy anymore. Well, we're also heating and cooling about three hundred square feet. Right. <clears throat> but here's the thing. When we stayed in our little Airbnb, and this is a plug for mini split systems, and if you don't know what those are, look them up. They've had them in Europe for years, and finally in the United States, we're getting them. But when we stayed in our little Airbnbs, we had forgotten how, first off, how loud they are. Oh, my gosh, they are so loud. 
and they are also really cold, right? right. So you, it's hard to get a comfortable temperature because you're either burning up or freezing and they're very loud. There's no way we could record with the air conditioner on right. or even one of those little space heaters on. So when we're doing this stuff, having something that's more ambient, like a mini split, would be a better use. And I try to tell everybody, if you can afford it, Mr. Cool has um, is a DIY mini split. I think it's about 700 bucks. Yes, it's more than a $150 window air conditioner unit. Right. But you don't have to have heat. You know, another unit for heat. You don't have to have this loud, noisy window air conditioning. If you can do it, I would go mini splits all the way. And but it's that's not that's not an ad for them. It's just right. my uh, experience. Now the one the one they had two window air conditioners in this place we stayed at the beach. Oh my goodness! Yes, one, one in the bedroom, which was relatively quiet, but was either freezing mm-hmm. or if you turned Kinda it up stuffy. a degree or two, it became very stuffy. And there was one in the bathroom that just sounded like a um, a C-130 trying to take yeah. off. It was loud. We and never used it. No, I, tu- I turned it off. Well, during the day, I used it uh, twice because it was just kind of stuffy in the in the place. But at night, there's no way you could sleep with that thing on. Uh, <laughs> but that's why they they had head uh, um, ear earplugs. earplugs. Um, that you could use. I mean, it was an adorable tiny house. It was I mean, great, but, but I wouldn't. I yeah, wouldn't we're not saying anything about that. But the air, yeah, I'd put it. I'd, I'd put a mini air. split in there in a heartbeat. Yeah, and it's way more energy efficient, as we talked about. Right. So the final thing, why go a tinier shed? Now this is not final. I mean, this is three that were just topics that I think people would be most interested in, um, without getting down the rabbit hole too much. Uh, and by the way, there's a reason they call rabbit holes rabbit yeah, holes. Yeah, we know more about uh, that now. Is less clutter, potentially. Potentially. Um, a lot of people live in big spaces and they move to tiny houses and they take all their stuff with them. And then they go, oh my gosh, where am I going to put all this? And then they get another building to put all that stuff in. So they've not really decluttered their lives at all. And, you know, from a psychological standpoint, clutter is not good for your mind. No. You know, the problem is that, well, we have stuff in this shed. We use this as overflow of tools and things like that because our tool shed got taken over by the goats. And that's a whole nother story. But um, and we're redoing some of that stuff. It was a goat siege. It was. The goats were here and they had to have a barn. Anyway, um, so but I'm converting this space in the front of this unit into like a a guest room, and we have the opportunity to do that. We bought this because we had to have a place to do. I was working corporate from home, and we were living, trying to live in a camper and build houses, and we got this rent-to-own shed, which was a terrible financial decision, if you will. But we were, because it was rent-to-own, it was better for our taxes. It's a long story. But anyway, um, but we still, but we kept it. Um, yes, we paid more money for it that way, right. but we were, we kept it and we, because we were using it exclusively for an office, but, um, the, so now we have it and it is easier to, for clutter to kind of, we've got a Christmas stuff here and we'd store some extra food here right. and yada, yada, but it's so easy to get out of clutter out of control, particularly when you're living tiny, because there's a certain level of things that you have to have. Right. So I tell people, look, they're like, how in the world am I going to be able to go tiny? Get rid of everything you think you can get rid of, get into your tiny, and then get rid of it again. Because you cannot, it's it's really hard to get your head around it, Right. Uh, how much you have. 
people are, um, and then as a, you know, I worked as a professional, I work as a professional organizer. I'm not currently doing that because of COVID, but um, everybody, when we, I, I mainly help people move now um, and downsize. And when we start pulling stuff out of closets, they're like, I had no idea how much stuff I had. Well, that's the main thing. I mean, uh, when, when we've moved, the, we've, we, we've lived all over the country. Um, and every time we move, I say the same thing. How in the world did we accumulate so much crap? Uh, yeah, it's called Amazon. That's and, one well, thing. It's the, called going, entertaining yourself by shopping. But before Amazon, we would buy, I mean, you know, a lot of it was kids stuff. Yeah. So you'd buy toys for your kids and you go, well, they don't play with this now, but they might but want they it. But they might. In and, a, or in I spent all this money, so I need to keep right. it. Right. That's was, a big that's This a big was one. an expensive crib, so it needs to stay in the attic. Exactly. Well, no, it doesn't really. Right. Um, because... You know, when you when the, your kids grow up, chances are they're not going to want that anyway. They're going to want something different from from either you know IKEA uh, because it's cheap and cool and cool and modern, um, or they're going to want whatever the top bed is at the at the time yeah. for, for their baby. They yeah. don't want the crib that they stayed in. Well, and so many people do that too. That are people that are our age that have grown children, they want to save stuff for their children. I have to tell them over and over again, your kids don't want it. Right. And that's kind of hard. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. I, um, by the way, just now this seems to make some sense to talk about it. I have two upcoming workshops. Um, one we'll talk about here at the end, but the one I want to talk about right now is for December. <clears throat> excuse me, frog in my throat. <clears> throat> For December, I'm doing a 12 Days of Christmas magical decluttering workshop. So it's mainly gonna, mainly for moms. Harry Potter decluttering. Yes, it's going to be mainly for moms and kid, you know, who have houses with kids. Um, and we're going to have people be able to declutter their space to get ready for Christmas. Uh, you know, we and we've been living on top of things with COVID. Bases are getting cluttery. Grandparents are going to be sending Amazon packages. There's no place to put them. So we're going to have a 12 Days of Christmas decluttering workshop. So we'll let you know how to get in touch with that. It's going to be listed on My Tough Shed Home and Radio Tiny House. Both are Facebook pages and both are, well, Radio Tiny House is a website. Yeah, right. So if you are interested in the 12 Days of Christmas, it starts December one. And it ends December 12th. We've got lots of fun things that we're going to be doing together. So we're going to be doing a 12 Days of Christmas Decluttering Challenge together. Cool. To get rid of stuff, to get rid of, to get ready to get some more stuff. Does that include maybe like Christmas ornaments that your grandparents had? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of things. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, Barry's a voice actor. So one of the fun things that we're going to do that I've made him, I've volunteered him she to vo- do. Yes, she did. She volunteered. If you complete In the, the spirit ch- of Christmas, yeah, right. she volunteered me. If you me. complete the challenge, he's going to be a Santa and call the kids and uh, do a Santa uh, call to all the kids about, you know, we'll figure out exactly we what that's going to be. We haven't figured out exactly what kind of Santa I'm going to be. If I'm going to be the. You're going to be ben- an appropriate one. Appropriate benevolent Santa. Or if I'm going to be <laughs> Not the inappropriate, grumpy please. old whiskey drinking, cigar <laughs> smoking Santa. Coal delivering Santa. <laughs> no. So we're going to reward the folks who finish the challenge with a hot cocoa uh, um uh, end of the end of the challenge with hot cocoa and then everybody gets a call who wants the one can get a call from santa so that's going to be fun we've got a lot of other fun things planned try to make decluttering a lot more fun but i do have a history of being santa 
So you do, uh, and I. Was, not only was Barry a hist, uh, doing kid Santa, he's done several adult Santa uh, experiences, yes. and I am shocked to hear his reports about his his um feedback about his experiences of being a Santa. Yes, it's it's amazing what happens at country clubs <laughs> when you're the Santa. When you're Santa, and, <laughs> and people, people are drunk. Are drunk. <laughs> right. But we, that's not appropriate for this show. No, no, it's not. This no. is a family show. It is a family show. And we are show. not sponsored by Santa Claus <laughs> or North Pole Industries. <laughs> right. Although, yeah, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, yes, it is. Anyway, uh, all right. So we anyway. Actually, we actually should have uh, our old radio show as a, right, exactly. as a sponsor. So we'll maybe maybe we should do um, for our Christmas show. So Barry and I, long time ago, had the, had these crazy friends, and we did a skit about, we call it Arctic Home Companion. It was uh, tailored after Garrison Keillor's Prairie Home Companion. Right. And we did these crazy commercials and all that stuff. And I think we should, re- I, I think I can find well, We them. should dig that we up We should rehab so. some fun. of those. It was a lot of fun. What we ought to do is get everybody online somehow. Well, we do stay in touch with all do, these folks. Do it all uh, like we did it okay. then. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that would be fun. That Let's be see if I can dig it out. That'd be a blast. The Arctic Home Companion. It was That was fun. Now, I think that's a great uh, Christmas. That, that's a new Christmas tradition. <laughs> that Arctic we, Home we Companion. We have the o- o- Arctic Home Companion. Yes. I'll dig it out. That'd be so, fun. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. So moving on, just the last, uh, last issue I've got. Beth may have something else she wants to talk about. Oh, well, I have lots of issues. Have, we do have... <laughs> I can talk about them all day. Topics. We're not talking about issues. <laughs> You've said issues. Yeah, I, I know what I said. I have issues. I'm not going to edit it out, but I'm talking about <laughs> topics. <laughs> yeah. Topics. Stay this focused. This is not therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about my issues. Uh, you, you hear so, about them all the time, uh, every day. I do, but that's okay because I love you. Um, Tiny Home News is... Um, this is kind of it's the story is new. Um, it was just published in Fast Company yesterday, oh. uh, which is a, a, a corporate kind of magazine. Um, and um, but the story is originally from May. Uh, the city of San Jose, California, uh, is one of a couple of different cities that are now allowing uh, tiny homes on wheels to be placed in people's backyards. And they had, like much of California, they had already been allowing uh, ADUs, accessory uh, dwelling accessory units, dwelling units um, in people's backyards. Um, and they, back in May, they also approved having tiny houses on wheels, which is great for the people out in California or, or San Jose because a real estate prices is are insane. ridiculous, housing prices prices are ridiculous. Um, so according to Fast Company. Uh, the average ADU in San Jose is $250,000. Now, that's to be in somebody's backyard. Oh, um, darn. If I had or, my, could use my phone, I'll tell you how much per square foot that yeah, is. I can't do that no, in my you head. you can't because it's up there. <laughs> it's up there and I'm videotaping. Um, but, the, but it's a lot per square foot. It's a ton per square foot. And um, so they decided that that was pretty costly and, and that people needed to have a better option to be able to live and work there because it was... You know, people are still in California, they're working for tech companies and they're living in motorhomes or they're living in vans. Or they're living in tents. Or tents because they can't afford the, uh, well, a lot of homeless people are living in tents out there. But I guess 
workers could be as well. And their cars, they and, are. Yep, because housing- They can't find a place to live. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, housing is, is just incredible in California right now. Um, incredible in a bad way. Right. Well, a good way if you're a landlord well, or if you're trying to sell your house. Well, it didn't help that the fires burned half, you know, a whole right. bunch of housing too. But the average uh, tiny house on wheels, or what do they call it? Tho? Thaw, yeah, I call thaw, them T. Yeah. Thaw, thaw. I don't, I don't say it. I just say T-H-O-W-S. T-H-O-W. Um, we have to explain yeah, to some I, people. <laughs> yes. um, the average uh, cost of the tiny house on wheel, or T-H-O-W, or tho, which <laughs> sounds like you're trying to throw a baseball, but you left the R out. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in the city, it's $50,000 for a, a tiny house on wheels. Now, that you also have to put, you've got to put it in somebody's backyard, and the average cost to rent the space to have it in somebody's backyard is $500 a month. Right. So you're paying, and that's one of my things about tiny houses. Now, if you're in San Jose, that's a bargain. That is don't a bargain. Don't get me wrong. But many people don't. If you're paying for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for, or let's uh, let's call it one hundred twenty five thousand dollars for a tiny house right. on wheels, and they are as inexpensive as twenty thousand, but they get up, they get fast, expensive fast. But let's say you're spending one hundred twenty five thousand dollars for a tiny house on wheels and five hundred dollars a month to rent your space to put it on, right? And then you have to pay. Depends on sometimes that includes electrical or not. You know, depends on your arrangements with your landlord. But you're still in the rent trap forever, right? So, um, but in San Jose, that's okay if that's compared to compared to other things that would you would be saving money. At, right. I mean, right. For for us being on the the you know the <laughs> some of the blessings of, of being in the the southeast is that our real estate prices here are are lower than many other places in the country. Um, so that even you know home prices are lower here uh, for regular houses. Um, raw land prices are lower here. Um, they're still not cheap, but they're well, no, it's not cheap, but it's lower than in California. So for us, you know, to be able to build two houses on our property um, is and, and have a, a nice office, right. shed office, office yes. um, it's, uh, you know, it's really nice to be able to afford to do that in places where, you know, in California, I mean, even two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month for an ADU now, and of no. course those two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, a, cost. a cost, yes, not a month. That would that be would a little expensive. high. But two two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for an ADU, which can be anywhere from like a garage, garage, apartment. yep, something small. It's under six hundred square feet, probably. I think that's probably their limit. Usually, yeah. that's about what it is. So, but that's that's still a high high price. Mm, yeah, but you're living in California, yeah, where everything is high, where everything is high. So that's that's uh, those were my topic slash issues <laughs> for the day. And now Beth has a workshop announcement. I do. Uh, as I mentioned, I had the downsizing magic, but that's not the workshop. What I'm trying to do is help people realize how they can do what we've done. Um, and so within my Facebook group, I've been doing a lot of uh, interviews and, you know, helping people try to figure it out. But here's the thing. There's so much information that it's really difficult to answer people's questions and problem solve things specifically uh, in that setting. Um, so I'm going to try to start adding workshops. Um, I I've, I've put together one and it's a it's. This, it's a Black Friday workshop. We're doing it on Black Friday. It's going to be in the in a Facebook group, so you can. But you can if you miss it on Black Friday, you can 
you know, click in and I'll get you the link, whatever. Uh, I haven't set that up yet, but I'll have that for next week. Which is a good thing, time to do it on Black Friday because who's going to be shopping? At why? You can't at, go you anywhere. Know, yeah. Um, surely no, you're not going anywhere. So, um, anyway, we're doing the Black Friday workshop, um, for about, I'm calling it the tiny home, sweet home, get her done Black Friday workshop. Um, so many people are dreaming about it. They don't know where to start. They have problems. They don't know how to solve their zoning and permitting problems. So in the workshop together, we're going to help you figure that out. Um, you'll have access to me to ask questions. I can help you look up how to figure that out. And then we have all kinds of other fun things we're going to be doing, how to get land, links to things, everything I can find to get you that. It's like a $295, I don't know, $1,000 worth of workshop. It's $29 um, because I'm going to be doing it. It's the first one I've done. Um, and I'm going to be using um, this as a beta workshop to make sure I'm covering all the topics that folks need. So the nice thing about it is that it will be an interactive workshop to be able to answer their questions one on one. I see so much bad advice in um, on uh, Facebook groups where right. people are asking these questions. And somebody some lady said, what's the best insulation? And people gave her all their opinions. And that she didn't ask what was the cheapest. She just said, what's the best? Some guy gave her the idea to stick cardboard in her walls. And I said to him, this is bad advice. That is not, you do not want the roaches that cardboard attracts. You do, it's not very insulative. It's bad advice. So I've done, I'm, I'm such a house nerd that I know these things. Now, I don't know everybody's code for everywhere, but I can promise you cardboard in your walls is not, not the best insulation. Right. So um, I want people to have the right advice and no places to get it. So we're going to put that workshop together. The tiny home, sweet home, get her done. Black Friday workshop. Well, I have. Uh, you know, <laughs> I another, can't even remember the name of it, but no, that's what I, I'm calling it. But that's it. what it is. It's a, a tiny home, sweet home, get her done. Black Friday uh, Black workshop. Friday workshop. Yeah. That's we have a it written down. It is. Um, but it's fun. Well, I have another way to insulate as well. You can take. Well, if it's cardboard, I don't want to hear no, about it. No, you take all your old computer paper and just instead of shredding stuff, you just ball it up and throw it in a wall. Well, if that's how what you how you want to live. Or what about old clothes? Well, there are there is blue jean <laughs> sure. insulation. Yes, but it's shredded. Right, right. I mean, there are different kinds of insulation, right. but cardboard in your walls not is not one. the best. No. No. So anyway, that's so, you know, I'm trying to I do try to catch things like that and help people because people a lot of people don't want to take workshops. They aren't afraid to raise their hand. They're afraid of dumb questions. That is this is not about that. This is about ask your questions. Let me help you get to right. where you need to be. And, you know, most people who are looking to move into a shed home or a tiny home are doing it for financial reasons. So. I'm throwing everything I can think of to throw that people might need in this, but I'm also trying to keep it super inexpensive so people can afford it. But I also, you know, there's only so much free information I can get right. out because it takes me hours to do this, right. hours to find all this stuff. Yeah. And it's and that's one of the biggest questions that we that we get asked is, you know, where where in the world do I get started? Um, and, uh, you know, second is cost. And we talked about that last week. Um but, you know, I've seen things like people will say, well, where can I, you know, buy land that I can do this on? And some people land. will say, just go buy the land and build the house on it. 
because it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. That is bad advice. That's horrible advice because you're, they can actually take the, the the counties can actually take, take your them. house. Oh, it's, yeah, they can condemn it and take and kick you out and fine you. So we're talking about all those things in the workshop, um, and we'll help folks find the land with where in the state that they want to be in. Yep. It, you're probably not going to be able to do what we've done in the city. Um, but what, I'm going to work individually with anybody who wants me to, to get them started. Um, you know, I've got links to places you could find land and owner financing and all those things and a, all kinds of calculators and everything I can think of that you might need to build your own. And I'm focusing on shed homes. Right. Tiny house on wheels. You already know how I feel about it. You can still do it. Um, but I still think there's some really, um, and I think maybe we should do a podcast on why I think tiny homes and wheels are not the answer. Um, it is if you, you know, if you're, um, a nurse, a travel nurse, right. Right. But, and you want to have a place, a decent place to go travel to, but unfortunately they're not very mobile, really. They're tiny homes on wheels that don't move. Right. Just like most mobile mobile homes homes are mobile homes, but don't move. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I think time, enough time we've. Been enough on this, right? <laughs> is it time to go? Well, this is our, our so far. This is our longest podcast. Oh, but um, sorry, but that's we try okay. to keep it about thirty minutes. Long winded is okay. Every well, now and again, you just got to have a long podcast. Well, okay. I mean, I listen to some that are fifteen minutes, and some of the ones that I listen to are an hour and a half. My threshold is about thirty minutes, okay. and I and people say, um, "Hey, I'm doing a summit." Well, I only have twelve people to talk, and I'm like. I don't have 20. I'm looking for 20 for my summit. Excuse me. <clears throat> and I'm like, I can already stay awake in church. <laughs> right. I'm not going to be able to listen to 20 speakers in your summit. Right. So simple is best. So I think we're going to wrap it up. Then. Yep. Is that that good? OK, we're going to wrap up for today. Um, hope you enjoy listening to this. It's been kind of a, a wayward journey for today's podcast. Uh Oh, somebody else uh, calling oh, me. Oh, There's Robin. Um, but we hope that uh, that you enjoyed it. And uh, we that was Beth banging. That was not uh, on the on the desktop. That was not uh, an explosion. Um, <laughs> we, we hope uh, that you enjoyed it and that uh, you'll give us a listen next week. I'm Barry Smith. I'm Beth Smith. And we thank you for uh, listening to Radio Tiny House.